Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're talking about privatized banking and how to find the best life insurance company. Now, we're going to give you the criteria to determine which life insurance company is best, most stable, and that you're going to get the best long-term results from. We're your hosts. I'm Rachel Marshall, and this is Bruce Weiner. Good morning. Welcome, Bruce. Welcome, Rachel. Um, I, I'm hoping we can bring a lot of value in this, and our, the value will be the mindset that we help people uh, when they're trying to determine uh, what, is, what, the, what the word best actually means. Absolutely. So I will say this first off, if you came to this podcast hoping that we're going to name the number one life insurance company in the world that you should always work with, sorry, we're not going to do that today. We are, however, going to give you a framework to understand what you should be thinking about and looking at when you're figuring out which life insurance company to work with. So here's the stage. You know, there's a lot of information to consider with life insurance companies, their portfolio, how long they've been in business, how likely are they to perform best over time. And a lot of times we can almost get into this position where, or we've seen clients do this and say, well, I need to have illustrations from 25 different companies so that I can analyze all of them and compare them. And the problem with that is that even if you did get to that position and you were looking at illustrations from 25 different life insurance companies, what parameters, what specific criteria are you looking at? What type of performance? Are you looking just at the long-term growth or are you looking at the cash value today? There's so many moving parts with this that we want to figure out how do you really determine the best company? Now, some people instead would just say, well, I'm just going to go with name recognition. I've heard of this company before because they're a big name and I've seen commercials about them and so they must be good. That's not what we want to do either because then we're cutting off our judgment completely. You don't just want to go with, well, my friend is using this company, so I trust them and they must have done their research, so that must be good. We really want to give you the tools so that you're not having to guess, but you know for sure so you can make a decision for yourself which company to go with. So today we're going to answer what should you look for to get the best life insurance company? And then how do you objectively rate the data to know that you're working with the best company for you? So again, where does this fit in the cash flow system? Remember, the cash flow system has three parts. First, we have a foundation, which helps you be more efficient and keep more of what you make. Then we protect your money. And finally, in the third stage, we want to help you get your money working for you, increasing and multiplying. Now, when we're talking about insurance and privatized banking, this is part of stage two, the the protection component. This is helping you create the right canopy of protection in your financial life and securing your ability to control your access to capital by being your own banker. Now, the other thing is that we're really bringing in a mindset element because this has everything to do with how you think about the financial decisions that you make. So let's dive in and talk about what are the criteria that we want to use to figure out which life insurance company is best. And before I hand this over to Bruce, what I want to help you as a listener understand is we're talking about two different things. There's the life insurance company or the carrier who's providing the life insurance. Separately, there's another entity that's usually an advisor 
or a financial services professional or financial services company or team that is helping you facilitate that decision and figure out which product to work with. So there's actually elements of both that you need to evaluate and consider. We're going to first start off with the life insurance company and carrier themselves and look at what criteria we want to use to make sure we're working with the best company. So Bruce, what would you say is the number one most important thing that we want to make sure we have in place when we're evaluating life insurance companies? Well, this is a this is a very dangerous question and topic because I think it can cause people to get uh, paralysis by analysis. Uh, but in the industry, what people use is a Comdex ranking, and the Com- Comdex ranking is one of the most crucial decisions you'll you'll use or rankings that you'll use. It, it requ- and one which requires you to look at the cost, coverage, and reputation of the particular company. And the Comdex ranking is a culmination of, of a lot of different rankings of, that the insurance industry uses. And they also will take into consideration the AM Best, the Moody's, the Finch, the Standards and Poor rankings, and so on and so forth. And but the most the the most accepted one is the Comdex ranking. And the Comdex ranking is what the what many people, when they're trying to look at a life insurance company, they're trying to say, well, look at this one. They have that they have the highest. It can go all the way to a hundred. So and down they to have the one. highest. So that down to one and up to yeah, 100, down right? to one. Okay. And the, and people would say, well, then I just want to do business with the one hundred one. Well, the one hundred one um, is uh, it's very very good, obviously, but good compared to what? I mean, what are you trying to accomplish? So you can actually get paralyzed in saying, well, they're the best. I'm going to use them. And then you say, well, do you realize that um, they are a direct recognition company that focuses on accumulation and not a, not utilization? And because one of the things in the Comdex ranking is how much capital do they have in reserve? Well, if you're using, if you're, if you're, uh, uh, direct recognition company, which simply we've talked about this on other podcasts, which simply means they recognize the loans when they pay out dividends. People are less likely to take loans, so there's more capital that stays within the company. Um, so, if you're thinking about utilizing your money, that particular company wouldn't deal with loans a lot, and so maybe they don't have systems in place that might be as easy to take loans out. The other thing is, Rachel, I've lived in long enough now where I lived in an environment where the universal life policies were developed to replace whole life. um, And they they were done in the 80s. They were done before that. But in the 80s, they took off because the stock market was taking off Mm -hmm. after after the Reagan administration. And people were illustrating, believe it or not, people were illustrating up to 15% interest return on your money in the illustration. Oh, wow. Well, a lot of those policies now, 30 years later, when we get when we dropped into a low interest rate environment, the, the interest rates, um, a good interest rate that they're getting are 3%. So they're not even performing anywhere near they, they uh, did 30 years ago. 
my point on this is illustrations are just a prediction. They're a, pre- a prediction of what may happen in the future. Yeah. So I just wanted to point something out with what you just said, and that's that if you had gotten that illustration in the 80s and it said 15% interest rate, that was your guarantees, right? In the policy? Was that the guarantee or the non-guaranteed side? No, that, well, even back then they, back then the ULs didn't have a guaranteed side. That was only brought in later on. Okay. So you're looking at a 15% growth rate. And if you base your projection of the future um, circumstances on that, it performed far less than what your expectation was. And so you can't even look at an illustration, especially if it's not the guaranteed portion of the illustration. You can't look at that and make all your decisions about what's going to happen in the future because there's a lot of factors that can change that along the way. Yeah. And and okay, so then people say, well, then why, why should I use a dividend rating? Uh, because whole life is based upon guaranteed cash and dividend ratings. Why should I have any faith in dividend ratings? Well, dividend ratings um, are interest rate driven by the company, but that's not the only thing that they're they're driven by. Uh, they're also they're also driven by uh, real estate that the company owns, and they're also driven by strategies that the interest rates are actually done with a ten year, twenty year, thirty year bonds that are coming in. What I like to do is say, okay, now, because we, we represent several different companies is there's particular companies that when I look back historically, they hit their dividend projections really, really closely because they're conservative and they don't want to, they don't want cluster, they don't want clients later on to come back and say, Hey, why didn't you, you know, hit your dividend? We have other companies that have projections on higher dividends. And they have actually missed their dividend ratings badly. And luckily, um, one of the ones that I represent, I've actually sold some term life for business purposes, but no whole life. They've missed their their dividend ratings badly uh, as much as 20%. And now the agents that I know that represent them, um, they have to go back and, and tell the clients, well, remember I said dividends are not guaranteed. But yet, you know, even when you say that, you know, Rachel, you and I say this all the time to clients, even though we say it, people still expect it when they see it on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and so d- having an insurance person that understands which company is is reliable on their data from their experience is more important than what the data is actually on there. So when you're out there trying to compare 25 different companies and say, well, look at this illustration, it works a lot better than this illustration. You have to remember, it's almost like um, I, use the, I, I use the coaching analogy because I used to coach, and coach uh, kids. In, in coaching, the person with the pencil last when they're designing a play always wins. So an offensive coach says, okay, well, I'm going to do this. And then the defensive coach says, well, then I'll do this. And then the offensive coach says, well, if you do that, then I'm going to do this. And the defensive coach says, well, if you're going to do this, then I'm going to do that. It's the same thing with illustrations because a person could say, well, this illustration does this. And then the other company says, yes, but their illustration does that. But our guarantee side is this. And then the other, the other one says, well, your guarantee side is this, but our, our um, past dividends were closer to being paid. And the other one says, well, that's true, but dividends aren't only what's being paid. 
It's also guaranteed cash. And we actually guarantee and pay out our guaranteed cash better than you do. And then the other one says, yes, but look at our death benefit. Our death benefit is, is, is higher than your, yours. And then the other one says, yeah, but if you ask for a loan, we're going to get it to you in three to five days. And then the other one says, well, we'll try to get it to you in, in 48 hours. And I mean, you can just go back and mm-hmm. forth, back and forth, back and forth. So what you're and really- that's where that analysis of paralysis comes from, because we can be so overwhelmed with all of this information that it can be really difficult to say, well, which one is actually best? I mean, they would not all be in business if there wasn't a demand for whatever they are providing and a need for that particular company. But that at the same is time- the wisest thing you've said in a long time. I tell people this. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that, I tell people this all the time. There are not bad products. There are bad strategies. If there yes. were bad products, they wouldn't be in business. Mm-hmm. So the companies are in business because they provide value to enough people to turn a profit. And so they've been, and if they've been doing it, which most mutual companies have been doing it for a hundred plus years, I'm going to read off some here. I'm not going to read off the company, but. This mutual company was established in 1905. This one was established in 1888. This one was established in 1847. The next one was established in 1909. This one was established in 1860. This one was established in 1851. This one was established in 1857. I mean, it's unbelievable how long these companies have been in business. And why is it? It's because they provide a service and they do what they say they're going to do. So looking at a mutual company with a Comdex score of at least 80, that has uh, some A, A minus, A, double A minus, A, A, A plus, anything above an A minus rating, uh, you're going, they're going to do what they say they're going to do. Now it's about who's going to help you with the, which company's gonna help you with the strategy that you're going to try to accomplish. Absolutely. And I like how you just package that really cleanly and easily at the end. And yes, we could go around and around and around and around forever. But when we're looking at those are the, are the most important things that you just laid out, the the ratings that we're looking for, the mutual company, and then also having a hundred plus year history of paying dividends means then that, that company has survived the Great Depression, the Great Recession, and they've been consistent. So they're not just saying, well, we're probably going to pay out dividends. We have actually had a track record of paying out dividends during the most difficult, challenging times in U.S. history. That's going to give us a pretty strong confidence that they're going to continue to pay going forward. Yeah, there's one. Let me try to boil this down a little bit more when I talk about strategy. So one one of the biggest strategies we show as real estate investors, actually how to get an uninterrupted compound of payments on the money that they're holding until their next real estate investment. So one company may credit their guaranteed cash and their dividends at a higher rate early, according to your age, habits, and gender. And another one may catch up 12, 15 years later and actually have higher guaranteed cash and dividends later on. Illustrate it. So then you have to say to yourself, this is an and product. So in this particular case, I would want to have that company that provides me 
higher cash early in the contract. And, and I don't care that it's lower. Another person, though, may say, I'm actually doing this for a passive income in the future as far as my retirement planning. So what I really want is to have the, the greatest guaranteed cash and then look at my dividends when I turn age 65 or 70 or 75, whenever you want to take it out. So we might use another company for that. And then the final one might be for business planning. And you might say, well, I need early, early guaranteed cash because I want to do a deferred comp program for my employee. And after five years, I want to have guaranteed that that money's going to be there and the highest amount that can be there after five years and then pay, pay out this, this, uh, this deferred comp program to them. Or, or if you want to have the highest death benefit because you want to provide for your, your, uh, your family or for your business as far as key man insurance or buy sell, you may say, I need this particular company. So it's about the strategy. So, and actually what you just said in there is that there is not one best life insurance company. That is true. Although I will say that um, most of these companies, if you know how the, what the strategy is and you know how to work with them, you can design their particular products to fit what you're trying to accomplish. So then it is, it's what kind of relationship do you have with that company? If you do, um, this is not um, new to concept to, to our listeners. If you do a lot of business with one company, you actually hold some cards and they will actually help you in certain situations. So you, you mm -hmm. might have a situation where a person gets a substandard rating and you say to the person, the, the underwriter, hey, uh, can you tell me why they have this substandard rating? Well, they seem to be a little heavier than what our charts say they should be. Well, you could say, well, they just they just broke their leg last year. This is really unusual for them. They're usually 20 pounds lighter and they're going to get back to that place. Oh, well, thank you for the information you've done. A, they don't say this, but the it's like, well, you've done a lot of business with us. We trust you. So we're going to give you the standard rating. Uh, you might mm -hmm. you might have a situation where, um, you know, you make a deposit into your your PUAs. And under normal circumstances, that, that has to wait for that check to clear before you have access to that cash. So some, some companies say 12 days, some companies say three weeks. If you're doing a lot of business, you can call them up and say, hey, I'm going to send you a copy of this particular person's statement from their bank. It shows it's actually left their account. So you, you know that money is going to be at your account. So can you please release the funds? prior to the check clearing. And if you do enough business with them, they'll say, yes, you're a good customer. We're going to help your client out. Mm -hmm. So it's about customer service also. Customer service is a very, very important thing. So what I want to just differentiate for our listeners here is that, remember I said there's two different parts. There's the insurance carrier, which is the insurance company themselves. And then there's the intermediary or the, the person that you're working with that's a financial services provider, the insurance agent, the insurance team, or the investment team that you're working with that is helping facilitate that transaction. So we first talked about the criteria that you want with the insurance company themselves. And now we're really talking about what type of financial services team do you want to be working with to make sure that you're going to get what's best out of that company to in the first place. And so as you're talking about that 
volume of business and that relationship that's between your financial services provider and the insurance company that you want to have that strong, established, very um, weighty relationship that has a lot of pull that's going to be beneficial and helpful for you as a client. So there's a few other things that are really important then in making sure that you do have that best financial services team so that what you want to put in place is actually going to happen. And Bruce, can you talk a little bit about the succession planning and why that's really important to make sure uh, for the client that there's a succession plan in place with the financial services team? The most the most frustrating thing for any consumer is becoming, and, and the industry actually has a name for it, they use this name an orphan, which mm-hmm. is, you know, in our society, an orphan is a sad thing, you know, a, a child that loses their parents or their overseer of something. So in in the business, this has traditionally been a individualistic uh, business where you have a producer who uh, sells life insurance policies and they they do a good job, they do a bad job, it doesn't make any difference, but they, they're the only person working on that particular client. Right, even so you have a relationship with one human. One human. And they've even yeah. done, even if they've done a good job, there's always a possibility that they're going to quit, become disabled. And we know the one possibility is going to always happen. They're going to die. So we just don't know when we just don't know when. And so what ends up happening is if there's not a succession plan in place, these, these policies, uh, customer service, they get service back at the particular company. They can assign them to another insurance producer, but you got to remember this insurance producer has his own, his or her own clients, and these new policies um, are probably not paying any residual uh, payments in a form of commission to that particular agent. So even the best human being would have a really hard time of putting those policies in uh, in front of his own clients, and so they become orphans. And not to mention that. And they don't have any relationships, so they right. don't actually know you and what you're trying to accomplish and what your ultimate goals were when you set up the policy in the first place and where your trajectory is. And so building that relationship from scratch is going to be really difficult if you've already been on a particular strategy trajectory for a long time. Correct. And so what we've tried to do over the over the last 25 years is build succession planning into our model, just like we have succession planning in this particular podcast. You know, you know, if mm-hmm. one of us leave, we certainly can find somebody else to carry on. When we work with clients uh, through the Money Advantage, we have two people on meetings. And if something happens Absolutely. to me, Rachel could take over. If something happens to Rachel, I can take over. We have Riley Smith. We have uh, Connor. We have uh, other people in the wings. Scott, we have a lot of other people that we're actually have in the wings that can take over, but not only just take over but that you will recognize from either talking on the podcast, you know, Lucas has been on the podcast, you will actually have a relationship with, with somebody and you will understand that they have the same mindset that the, the entire crew at the Money Advantage has. And I think that's just extremely valuable because then you're not wondering when am I going to have to take this and go find another professional that has the right mindset that is aligned with what I'm trying to accomplish and translate that all to them and hope that they carry on what I was initially trying to accomplish. So uh, I believe that that succession plan is very important. I believe that that volume of business that the financial services team is doing with the particular insurance carriers they're working with is extremely important because they do have that pull 
and that relationship to be able to make sure that everything that's done is in the client's best interest. Is there anything else that you wanted to talk about on the financial services team side, Bruce? No, I, I, I also think that because insurance companies themselves do not have the relationship directly with the client, that oftentimes clients are clients, and we try to tell them not to do this, but they do it anyway, they call the companies directly. And, and it's, Rachel, it's not that they don't trust us. And they're, it's, I've had, I don't know how many people say, well, I just, just wanted to check my loan balance or I just wanted to check this. I didn't want to bother you. Well, then they call, mm-hmm. then they call up the uh, company and they say, okay, I want to check my loan balance. And the, and the customer service person doesn't understand the strategy because they're just, they're just customer service. They understand the product, but they don't understand the strategy. And they say, well, you have a loan balance of $10,000 and you're going to have an interest charge of $500 at the end of this year. So you want to pay the $500. And then um, the person says, well, do I have to pay the $500? Well, if you don't pay the $500, you know, you're just going to have more in the future. And so then they call us and say, I thought you said you didn't have to pay the $500, but they're acting like I have to pay the $500. And I, and I, right. Which and you I don't, say, well, you don't, but it's a way don't of- have to, we do encourage you to do it, but you don't have to. Well, they said, I have to pay it. No, what they really probably said is they're going to charge it to you. and They're going to add it to the, the balance the next year. It doesn't mean you have to pay it. And so that's the more, more common one that we see. Um, or they will they'll send out and say a uh, premium notice and say, you know, please pay $20,000 by, X amount of time, your your if you don't do this, your insurance will lapse. Now these letters are by law; they have to send them out. Now what's interesting is what they don't say is if you have cash value or paid up additions, we'll just surrender right. those automatically to pay for it, and it won't lapse. But the letter doesn't explain that because not everybody has cash value and not everybody has paid up additions. So legally, they can't put that in a letter. Right. Because it's a form letter that just goes to everyone, regardless of what policy they have and how it's designed. Right. Here's here's another great letter that comes out all the time. You can convert your term portion of your whole life and they get it the second year they have it. Well, they can, I mean, mathematically and contractually, they can convert the term the second, third year, whatever year they want. However, if they do it, your co-life policy now becomes a modified endowment contract. It mechs because you don't have enough insurance in place. So is a mech the worst thing in the world? No, because as long as your death benefit is paid, it, it, beca- it passes on tax-free. But the strategy is to have your cash value grow tax-free, and it will not mm-hmm. grow tax-free in a mech. A modified endowment contract. Right um, now, we're not going to get into that. We've got into that in other podcasts. So, if you want to listen, try to try to listen to other podcasts. But that's a, once again how the difference of having the relationship with your actual producer, your insurance person, instead of trying to figure out well which is the best home office to have, because they're not they're not in tune with you personally for the strategy. That is, you couldn't have said that better. And I think what we want to do is we want to be able to move quickly 
from that decision of which insurance company do I want to work with into how am I going to use this policy? And so that's actually the more important part of this discussion. If you are on the fence and not even on the fence, if you're in the position of saying, okay, I like the idea of privatized banking. I want to be in control of my capital. I want whole life insurance. I want to be able to use this cash value to then borrow against that and be able to put that money into some type of cash flowing assets. But now you're standing at the gate to be able to buy that life insurance policy. And now you're saying, oh my goodness, I'm not sure which company to go with and I need a million illustrations. What we really want to help you do is move past that, use this criteria to make sure that you're making a great decision and then not have to second guess that, not have to go back and say, was it the best decision or was it not? I mean, Bruce, I know that you have policies with different companies, multiple Mm -hmm. different companies, and so do I. And so there's not only one company that I would do business with, there's multiple. And I want to make sure that they're always hitting that criteria. But the more important thing than looking at which is the best life insurance company is actually figuring out what I'm going to do with that policy. And again, I want to say, if you're looking at a strong, stable, long-standing life insurance company, they are going to come through, they're going to carry through on their word, and they're going to be a great company and a great policy for you. So when you have that mindset to be able to pull the trigger and move forward with the most information that you have today, you might end up with another life insurance company five years from now when you put another policy in place. Or you might end up um, making arrangements like that. But at the same time, you want to say, how can I move forward with my best judgment today? So when we're using that, I want to say almost a six point or seven point checklist, you want to make sure it's a mutual company, their public data scores are at least an A rating, at least A minus Bruce, as you said, Mm -hmm. Comdex score of at least 80. Then you want to have at least a hundred year history of paying dividends. You want to make sure that the agents have a succession plan and that they have a relationship with enough volume to have that great customer service with the carrier. Once those six pieces are in place, what you want to do then is 100% focus on your strategy. How much are you going to fund this policy with? Do you have the right product design for maximum early cash value and maximum long-term growth? And we have another podcast that we'll link to in the show notes for that one as well. And then where are you going to invest your capital? How are you going to figure out what what cash flowing assets you want to put this money into that are going to be the best for you that you know and you control? And then how are you going to maximize your cash flowing assets to build time and money freedom so that you can build that legacy of true wealth? So Bruce, as we wrap up, I know that you've seen this conversation a million times on a million different um, client meetings as well. And I know it really comes down to mindset how would you say then is the best way to be able to move forward and make sure that we're not wishing we had moved forward much sooner? Well, that's exactly, as we yeah, that's exactly the thing I hear all the time. When a person finally understands and has that aha moment that it's the strategy that it's what's important. It's not comparing interest rates, dividend rates, so on and so forth. A person says, man, I wish I would have done this 20 years ago. I wish I would have done this 10 years ago. I wish I would have done this five years ago. I've even had people that have said, boy, I wish I would have done this you know, a year ago. I'd be in so much better shape. And I simply say to them, in closing, I simply say to them, let's not be saying that again next year. Stop with the paralysis by analysis and, and move on. You can't make a bad choice 
of company, you can just make a bad choice of strategy. Absolutely. So I hope that this was helpful to you in making decisions about how to move forward with your life insurance decision. And you'll have the show notes and everything available for you there if you go to themoneyadvantage.com. And in closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. Do you have an established business and make great income, but feel like you can never get ahead or just plain have financial confusion? Get the business owner's three-step roadmap to achieve time and financial freedom without working harder or sacrificing your lifestyle. Go to themoneyadvantage.com slash roadmap to get your roadmap and free training. And when you register, you'll also get access to our ultimate money finder cheat sheet that you can use to recover lost cash flow and save on taxes. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.